We are in the middle of this called to worship series, and so what we've done is we've kind of split worship up because we're going to teach you about worship, we're going to preach on it, and then we'd like to uh, leave a time at the end of response where you can actually exercise the things that we've talked about. So uh, my name is Pastor Quint. I am the worship and discipleship pastor here at Erie First, so typically I'm up here uh, with the band playing music. Most of you would know that if you're here every week. Uh, this week I am going to preach, and so I hand off my music responsibilities because it's a lot to do both um, sometimes you got to do it, but if I don't have to, then I like to, to just focus on one thing. So if you were here uh, last week, then you heard what my generation calls a message that was straight fire on worship, okay? Like seven people got that. But uh, Pastor Nicole preached out of Psalm 100, and she absolutely brought it. It was so good. It was so, um, I, I would recommend that you go on our website, go to the podcast, and listen to it, because it was so good. I'm going to give you a quick recap before we march on uh, this morning. But last week, we learned that we need to come into his presence with a prepared heart, and that there are spiritual protocols on how we enter into worship. Psalm 100 taught us that we are to shout for joy to the Lord, okay? It's not enough that we are reserved or moderated in our praise, but if we can cheer on the Alabama Crimson Tide, the Golden State Warriors, if that's you, we need to talk after service, um, or I won't even mention names here because this is a muddy territory, but the NFL team of your choice. That's what I will say. If we can do that with excitement and vigor, and I literally have found myself watching, I don't even, I'm not a college football guy, and I have found myself watching college football games and getting so enthralled in it, I've jumped off of my sofa when a crazy play happens, and I'm like, I don't even care about these teams. I've never watched the Oklahoma State, whatever they are, ever, and I'm excited about this game. If we can do that for sporting events, then certainly we can praise the God of the universe who moved heaven and earth to redeem us with some excitement and vigor. Absolutely. In fact, I would say this. If you uh, are the type of person who struggles with that, this would be my analogy. My kids and I, my wife, my kids and I, we were on our way to our, my mother-in-law's for Mother's Day last week, and there's this huge hill, uh, and the kids pretend it's a roller coaster, and so then mom pretends, let's raise our hands on the roller coaster, and my five-year-old says, I'm not gonna. And that made me think, this is a perfect analogy for this message. So I looked up a picture of someone not participating in a roller coaster ride. That's what you look like when and you're not excited in the middle of worship, okay? It just looks ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Now, that person, that child is actually probably just terrified. Um, and if you Google roller coaster pictures, I mean, that's a, that's a Google rabbit hole that doesn't end, but I did find that one. So anyways, I would encourage you to really check yourself, and I think this was the synopsis of Pastor Nicole's message last week. Uh, shout for joy to the Lord. Have excitement, Okay. We also learned last week that we are to come before him with joy-filled song. Worship isn't music, but music is a way that we worship, all right? And we're gonna get more into that this morning. But worship is, music is a sacrifice of praise that ascribes worth to the only one who is worthy. That's what it is. So when we do, when, when we participate in music, and we'll get more into this later, the point of it is to recenter our hearts but worship is a seven-day-a-week thing. It's a lifestyle, and that's really the crux of today's message. The last thing she challenged us to do, and I kind of just did the same thing with the roller coaster analogy, is to start somewhere with our worship, okay? Take a step, make a move, do something in the natural, 
and watch God start to shift things in the supernatural, okay? And he might honestly, that shift might only happen in here. It might only happen with your mindset. It might not actually be something that you physically see with your eyes, but you make a move towards God in your worship, something that you uh, previously may have struggled to do, and he might shift your mindset on how you view worship, the importance of it, or the role that it plays in your life. All right. So that, that is the recap. I want to encourage you again, go back, listen to the whole thing. It was so good. Uh, and it was such a great launch point. Um, I want to let you know of two opportunities we have in June uh, to worship, extended worship through music here at the church. The first one is two weeks from today, June 2nd. We're going to be having a worship night at 6.30 right here in this room, led by our amazing band. It's going to be an awesome night. Those nights are always very special. And then the second one you may have seen on Facebook this week, Carrie Job. And Cody Carnes are coming here. Uh, June 27th is the date. So uh, that one's not free. You've got to go buy tickets for that one. But I would encourage you to check that out. That's also going to be an awesome night of worship. Uh, but let me, that, there's the recap from last week. Let me march on with what I want to talk about this morning, which is that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a, uh, a seven-day-a-week thing. It is not just four songs before somebody preaches out of the Word. That is part of it, but let, let's expand on that today. Three weeks ago, we were in the middle of our Hope Changes Everything series, and Pastor Nicole shared this quote from A.W. Tozer. In fact, I didn't pay attention. I thought it was her quote, and when she read through my message, she's like, that was Tozer, so don't give me credit for that. But um, in case that you didn't hear it, didn't remember it, it, uh, it didn't hit as maybe as hard as it did, we're going to have a chance for a do-over this morning. She was talking about Jesus Christ being betrayed by Judas. She was explaining this valley of darkness, this valley of hopelessness that the disciples in Christ found themselves in. And the quote that she shared from Tozer says, anytime we don't put Jesus on the throne, we are placing him on the cross. Now, this was in reference to Judas' choice to betray Jesus, which is obviously very heavy, heavy subject matter. But I would say this, we face that same type of choice in our daily walk with Christ. Are we giving him first love type attention? Last week she talked about our, our, heart's our heart's attention and our mind's affection. Or maybe I said those backwards. But are we giving him that first love type of affection that he deserves? Or are we worshiping other things with our time? I love this quote because it's, it sums up a worshipful lifestyle. It's also a very direct challenge. Am I putting him on the throne or am I putting him on the cross? If you know me at all, you know that I love a direct challenge. Don't sugarcoat it. Just tell me what I need to do, and I will run through the wall uh, with excitement, okay? Now, my question to you would be, do you know that you are already participating in worship every single day? Wow, quiet. Okay, you truly are, all right? Here's the thing, though. I didn't say you're worshiping Jesus every single day. I just said you're worshiping every single day. We need to unravel what is it that you are worshiping. Until we lay this foundation of everything we do is an act of worship in some way, shape, or form, then we really can't talk about what it is or who it is we are worshiping, all right? So let's look real quick this morning at a couple of places that explain the bigger picture of worship, and then we'll get to music and songs and the book of Psalms, and trust me, I have lots to say on worship and music, and it's, it's kind of my profession, so I have a lot, but let's, let's first get the bigger picture here. We need to get that foundation right so that the house that we build will actually stand, okay? Romans 12 Verse 1 tells us this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The message translation says it this way. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. All right, so here we're reading that we should offer our bodies, our everyday lives, our normal sleeping, eating, going to work lives as an act of worship. That sounds a little bigger than the four songs we sing before someone preaches, doesn't it? This is where you say yes. It sounds a little bigger, okay? So Louis Giglio is a pastor out of Atlanta, Georgia, and he wrote a book that I read a few years ago called The Air I Breathe. It's a small book, but it's all about worship, and this is from his opening chapter. He says, you, my friend, are a worshiper. Every day, all day long, everywhere you go, you worship. Should you, for some reason, choose not to give God what he desires in worship, you will still worship something. And you will be exchanging the creator for something he created. All right, now we've come back to that challenging quote from A.W. Tozer. Is Jesus Christ on the throne or on the cross in your life? Because you, my friend, are a worshiper. Are we giving him that first love attention or are we giving him the leftovers? Worship is our response to what or who we value most. So here's my question. What or who do you value the most? Let's go over to John chapter four. Let's hear what Jesus Christ himself said regarding worship. This is towards the end of Christ's encounter with the woman at the well. He's challenging her her perception of worship. Hopefully he's challenging your perception of worship today and through this series. Uh, and here's what he says in John 4, 23. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, that time had come in the person of Jesus Christ. He flipped the norm on its head, and he changed how worship works. It used to only happen in a specific place on a specific day, but he comes in, and he says this happens anywhere and everywhere. This happens in your relationships. This happens in your thoughts. This happens with how you love one another. This happens all places, just as we read in Romans 12. See, we are walking, talking, breathing beings who have been uni united with Christ and have, listen to this, we have the ability to respond. I'm not saying we have the responsibility, which puts the work on us and makes it this obligation, but no, God breathed life into us, and he, calls, he gives us the ability to respond to him in worship. Let's look over in Colossians. Paul gave us some advice in Romans 12, but did he ever touch on this subject anywhere else? The answer is yes. In Colossians 3.16, he hits on this concept of worship, and he actually brings music along for the ride, okay? It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, so here we're reading about our opportunity to learn through the singing of songs. I told you we would get there. Why do we sing in church? 
That's a question that I think is always worth answering and re-answering and reminding people why we actually sing in church. I have a friend, I have an acquaintance, I'll, I'll be honest, He's, I wish that we were best friends, but we're, we're acquaintances. His name is Curtis Parks. He was the worship director at National Community Church in Washington, D.C. Now he's a church planter in Nashville, Tennessee, and I did have him, uh, I, I had the chance to sit with him once, and he said something that I've never forgotten. He said, music has a way of cutting to your heart without asking for permission. See, why did Paul tell us to teach each other through songs, sims, and, hear, and spiritual songs? Because music doesn't need your permission to get in your heart. Why do dentists and car salesmen, not, sorry, Bert, I don't know if you do, but uh, why, do, why does everybody use music? Why do we teach our kids the ABCs with music? Why do we sing happy birthday and everybody knows? It? Because music sticks in our heads and it sticks in our hearts. And so it does not need permission. So when we sing songs that are theologically and doctrinally sound from the word, those truths find their way into our spirit. That's why we sing. That's one of the reasons that we sing. See, we might be going through a rough spot on a Wednesday or Thursday, like Pastor Steve just mentioned, the news that he received last week. And I, I don't know this, but I'm going to guess whether it was a song from last Sunday or a song from his entire Christian walk, there were truths that he's learned through music that helped him get through this week, this hard week. My, my wife and I, many of you know, we lived virtually that same scenario just over a month ago with my father-in-law. Like, it's the truths that you learn from the word, but he's, he's good, and he gives us the ability to learn through songs as well. So that's why we, we learn through songs. And so you might, you might be going through a hard time on a Wednesday or a Thursday or Friday, and all of a sudden, all his promises are yes and amen. Just gets into, gets into your brain, gets into your spirit, because you learned that song, you sang that song here on a Sunday. You're going to have a chance to sing that song here in a little bit. So last fall, um, I had the chance to release my first worship album. It's a 10-song album. Uh, and the, actually, the person who took my job at my last church, she and I co-wrote the majority of the songs together. And so we decided to include this note uh, inside the, like the CD jacket for anybody who actually still buys CDs. Um, she told me nobody buys CDs. And I said, well, I'm going to hold this in my hand when we're done with it, so I'm going to buy a CD. So here's the note uh, from the inside of the CD. It says, worship in its simplest form is measured by our day-to-day -day actions. It isn't music. It isn't a certain portion of a church service that involves singing. It is what we do with our time, our energy, and our resources every single day. We hope that this album will remind you in the day-to-day -day of your ability to respond to God for all that he has done in your life. Music is the soundtrack to a lifestyle of worship. May this album be one that regularly spurs you on in pursuit of him. All right, now that sounds like the five-sentence summary of everything I've talked about so far, right? Like I'm cheating on the test here. But for real, our actions say so much more than our words do when it comes to worship. What are we doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? What are we doing with uh, our ability to respond in the everyday? All right, let's talk real quick about what we sing when we're here at church. Like I said, my album has 10 songs on it. This is not a a ploy for you to email me and ask to hear the other eight. We've done two here. I actually introduced one last week, and we've done one when I first came, but the point is this. The, why have we done two? Um, we've done two because those are the two that I felt like bringing to the table, but I know this. God wants to do a new thing, 
And so if I hold on to the past, if I hold on to songs from the past, which I love and they're great, but if I, if I exalt those and cling to those, uh, I'm not making room for him to do that new thing that he desires to do. And so when I feel like they're the right fit, they'll make their way into a set list. But I'm not going to force it because of my agenda or my thing. Uh, so one of the, the main reasons we do other songs here is because he's trying to do this new thing. I'll tell you what, I have led the song This Is Amazing Grace by Phil Wickham 350 times, I bet. I, we don't almost ever do it here, but I can do that song on autopilot. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just I have a lot of reps with that song. But I just know he's trying to do a new thing. We actually had a chance as a staff to go to uh, a conference in Pittsburgh in January, and Pastor Jeff Leak read from Isaiah 43:19. He said, "See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland." The Book of Psalms says six different times, "Sing to the Lord a new song," and the church has never stopped doing that. And that's why there's new songs coming out all the time, because we have the opportunity to worship the creator by creating, okay? And that's just an amazing thing that we can give back. If you're sitting here thinking, okay, okay, Quint, that's great. What about me? I'm not a musician. You have this outlet, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk about you. I get feedback often about song choice, about uh, what we'd like to hear, what we, the styles we'd like to do, things like that. And this is what I've learned in doing this five years about musicians and non-musicians. They're really not that different. Because what we're talking about is the soundtrack to our spiritual journey. We're talking about the soundtrack to our worshipful lifestyle. So the emotions have little to do with music theory or quality of songwriting or anything like that. And they have much more to do with our spiritual position, our spiritual comfort zone. So whether you're a musician or not, you tend to like what is comfortable or meaningful to you. And that's not a bad thing, okay? When we do a song, in fact, we did one this morning from like the early 2000s, and uh, my inbox blows up. I actually found a card this week from a song that we had done. And, some, and, and I, listen, I love that. I think that's great. When people, a song resonates with them, and then they give me that feedback. I love that we did this 25-year-old song or whatever it is. I, I love that. Because this is what it's telling me. God moved in your life in that season. In fact, that's exactly what this card said. It said, when I hear anything on that album, I start to cry. Because God did such a thing in my life when that album came out. That's why the church was singing a new song then and pushed that album out. To help you have this altar moment, this Bethel moment that you could hold on to in your spiritual journey. I think that is great. And I have songs just like that from the last five years that I can listen to and they bring me right back to where I was when I was learning this thing and when God was moving uh, me from this season of life into that season of life. So I have zero uh, issue with that. I love that. In fact, I wrote down here, we build our faith for the future when we look back at what God has done in the past. So I'm encouraging you to do that. I think that's great. I think that's why we, we do... Uh, did you feel the mountains tremble and your love never fails and one thing remains and all these songs that, that have such resonance with so many people, I think it's great. But Psalm 119 in the message says this, oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course that you set. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. 
I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learn the pattern of your righteous ways. The psalmist is saying, my steps are steady, but God, keep them steady, okay? Keep them on the course that you set. This is the idea of looking back for encouragement while going forward. It's a beautiful and healthy practice. Don't think I'm against it one bit, okay? It's why we throw hymns in. I'll be honest, like we do hymns and I love hymns and I like, hear me loud and clear. I love hymns and we work them into the set often. But I also love pushing forward into new things. I love encouraging the band to learn new things. I wanna learn new things. I wanna hear the newest expressions of what the church is singing to God in praise and worship. There's nothing wrong with having a soft spot in your heart for certain music or songs. This is when it becomes wrong, when you cling to those songs. The songs were meant to help you worship him. Never worship the song, okay? The, the songs are great, but they are tools to worship the creator, okay? I was thinking about this this last week, and... Uh, I was going to say this at the end, but I'll say it now. You know, the Apostle Paul, he went through his whole Christian journey without reckless love, without shout to the Lord. Pastor Don even pointed out to me he didn't have how great thou art. That's a joke. <laughs> Pastor Don told me to leave how great thou art out of the joke, okay? But here's the thing. He, he wrote half the New Testament, okay? The songs aren't the thing. The songs are obviously amazing tools, but we should never worship the songs. I also would say this. My grandpa passed away 18 years ago. When he got to heaven, if the Apostle Paul didn't know how great thou art, he fixed that in about four minutes, okay? So Chuck Hansen was not going to be in heaven where that song wasn't getting sung, all right? But here's what I would say. I've been, I said, I've been leading worship for about five years. So to put that in perspective, I've constructed set lists to lead the church in worship 250 weekends in a row, okay? That's not to impress you, but just think about this. I know it's my job. I know it's what I do week in, week out. But how easy would it be for me? After, I just did this seven days ago. In fact, when I first started, we'd be on the way home from the church I worked at. We would be a mile down the road, and I'd say, what song should we sing next week? Like, I was already starting on the next week because I wanted to reflect on today and then adjust going forward. But it would be so easy for me to pick stuff that I'm comfortable with, that I can do on autopilot, but I, I don't do that because I know that God wants to do a new thing. He's ushering in a new thing. He might have done an amazing thing in 2008, 2015. He might have done an amazing thing in 2018, just last year. But here's what I want to tell you. He wants to do an amazing thing in your life right now. Okay, so you need a new song to be the banner so that in 10 years, when we bring that song back, you write me a card that says, in 2019, when we were singing whatever the song is, God was doing X, Y, Z in my life. That is the point. We should never hang on to what was comfortable, uh, but we should always be pushing in and leaning in for more because he wants to do a new thing. All right, I want to do something kind of unique to wrap up today. I have uh, asked five different people, so you know who you are if you want to start making your way up here, to just share from their life experiences and, and their uh, perspectives on worship. These are all people that I know and that I've talked with many times, and so I'm going to get there. Uh, I, I've given them each a question, and we're going to just kind of hear from them how God has uh, 
worked in their life through worship, how God has taught them through worship. So uh, to start, we'll go with Julia Williams, who led us this morning and will lead us here in just a little bit. If that is on, then uh, here's Julia's question, and she's just going to kind of give you a couple minutes of her perspective and, and how worship has influenced her. You can come out here a little bit more. How has worship influenced your everyday life, and do you find yourself more prepared to receive on Sunday based on how you approach worship throughout the week? Um, All my questions are actually <laughs> two questions. Okay, go ahead. So as I was thinking about this, and Quint actually already touched on this this morning, but worship, for me, I've really tried to push myself and challenge myself for it to become a lifestyle, um, as he already said, and not just something that I'm doing on a Sunday morning and a song that I'm singing in my car. Um, for that fact, it's not even just music, but it's serving the people around me and giving to different ministries. And so um, I, and as you prepare your heart, then when you come on the Sunday mornings, it's even better, and your worship is changed for the better. And um, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking back to um, a couple of summers ago, I interned at a church in Chicago, and as when you're working in a church, your life is so full of God, and you're really pushing yourself to be filled, and the leadership team that we had there was really great in encouraging us that we would be ready to pour out. And so while I was there, it was great, and I was experiencing amazing worship. The sermons were great, and then I came back to my college at Grove City and my church there, and I remember talking to my dad, and I said, you know, I miss my church in Chicago. I miss the powerful sermons and the amazing worship, and he very lovingly asked me if it was that the pastor wasn't as impactful or if it was that me, if it was me that wasn't going deep enough, and um, that really pushed me, and I kind of come back to that moment a lot and just trying to always remember that if I'm not reading my Bible throughout the week, if I'm not worshiping along to a worship CD in the car, my worship on a Sunday morning will not be as powerful, and I will not experience God in the ways that I want to. And so um, I have been continually checking myself in that, and also when I come ready to worship God and ready to pour out my praise on Sunday, I really found that those are the days that I'm continually and overabundantly filled up by him. And so that's really what I've learned from the daily worship. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Julia. Jim Renner, uh, if you could come up, he's going to talk to us about how do you perceive worship as a weapon against life's battles or circumstances? I say regularly, worship is warfare and things like that, but he's going to kind of expand on that. How is worship a weapon against life's battles or circumstances? That's such a great question. Um, we know that in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, the word tells us that our weapons are not the weapons of this world, but they're spiritual and have divine power to demolish strongholds. They demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to make them obedient to Christ. So for me, this is our offensive weapon because for us as Christians, the battlefield is the mind. Right? Whenever life is telling me I'm no good, I'm not worthy, I'm not loved, that's when I worship. And sometimes it's as simple as singing a song like Reckless Love that reminds me that I am beloved. You know, there's no mountain he won't tear down. There's no lie he won't kick down, you know. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's just getting quiet with the Lord and thanking him and praying 
and reading his word and worshiping him and letting the truth of his word minister deep in my soul to combat those lies, right? And so sometimes those thoughts, they're just mine. And I just need to spend time with the Lord and with his word and with the truth of that and just sort of weed out the garden of my mind, you know, get all that junk out. But sometimes it's an attack. And for me, the red flag is when the thought won't go away. For me, it's what I like to say is it keeps echoing. When those negative thoughts keep echoing in your mind, it's a red flag. It's a huge red flag for me. Now, the way to tell for sure is through spiritual discernment. And that's simply asking God, what is going on here? That's the way you know for sure. But for me, a red flag is when those negative thoughts won't let me go, I I just look out. So that's my offensive weapon. Whenever I have thoughts that are contrary to God's word or the enemy's lying to me about who I am and who God is, I go to worship. And like Quint said, those theological truths will worship. But worship is also a defensive weapon. Like Pastor Nicole taught last week, God is enthroned on the praises of his people. So when we come and we humble ourselves and we worship, we're inviting God to come and set up his throne in our lives. And in a kingdom, the throne is the seat of all authority. So when we worship, we're inviting him into our lives to set up his authority, his dominion, and his power. In Psalms 89, 14, it says that the foundations of his throne are righteousness and justice, and love and faithfulness go before him. And in the imagery of a throne room, it's as if love and faithfulness are servants before the throne waiting to do his will. And so when I worship, get this, this is just amazing. Righteousness and foundation, uh, excuse me, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Righteousness is doing the right thing, and justice is seeing that the right thing gets done. So when I worship, God comes down. I give him permission to come into my life, to do the right thing, and to make sure the right thing gets done. So he's coming to set some things straight. And love and faithfulness are there as his servants to do his bidding. So he sets things straight in my life with love and with faithfulness. So if there's something harassing me, if there's something giving me a hard time, it better watch out because God's hammer of justice is about to fall, right? And it's done because he loves me and because he's faithful to me. And that makes me just want to worship him more. That's good. All right, Virginia. Uh, This is Virginia Edney. How have you seen different songs serve as an altar or reminder of things God has done for you during the various seasons of your walk? Don't get nervous, Pastor. I'm not going to get nervous. <laughs> this has been a- I, I have many seasons that have gone through my life. Season you, number one. Yeah, <laughs> music reminds me of the great God that I serve. I stress, my, it strengthens my heart. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that excites me. When I feel I can't face another day, I begin singing because he lives, I can face tomorrow. When I feel weak, he is my strength, and music tells me I can run through a troop, and I can leap over a wall because his word tells me that I can. There is a song about the mountains in our lives, 
And I'm learning, I haven't completely learned it yet, but I'm learning to tell those mountains how big my God is because my God already knows how big my mountain is. Mm. When I'm grieving and don't understand, music tells me that I'll understand it better by and by. A couple weeks ago, I stood at the gravesite of my son and I watched his two little children growing up without their daddy. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I just don't understand. I know you do all things well. I know you never make a mistake, but I just don't understand. And it was as though I felt his arm around my shoulder and in tender voice, he said, with tears in my eyes and with tender voice, he said, it's all right, it's okay, but you will understand it by and by. And I know that those words are true because someday we will meet again and then I will fully understand. That's good. God's word says it's okay to shout. Mm. In fact, he's coming back with a shout. And I don't know what shout means to you, but to me, it means loud. Yeah, amen. Amen. And, and I want to shout to the Lord. And the Bible says that if we don't, the rocks will. I don't know about you, but I don't want no rocks speaking for me. I will shout for myself, thank you very much. And with confidence, I will shout for joy at the work of his hand forever. I will praise him, and with his help, forever I will stand. So good. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you. Bill, could you help her down the stairs? All right, and then this is my buddy Adam Blazik. Adam's part of my small group, uh, and he's an awesome guy. So my question for him, and you can kind of give a little bit of your background, uh, but how has your life changed since coming to Christ? Were you a musical person before, and why do you worship the way you do now? Three questions. Three okay. questions. Um, it's going to take a lot more than five minutes to tell how my life has changed since I came to Christ. Um, but the most significant way it's changed is the priorities of my life and how God is now far above everything else. Um, and all those other things that are in my life are blessings from God, and one of the most important being my wife, Leah. But regardless, I will always worship the creator and the giver of all the blessings. And as I gave my life to Christ, everything just got into alignment where I could live in communion with him and know that he's going to continue to bless me and that if I focus on him above all else, the word said that there is none beside the Lord, that there's no one that compares to God. And so for me, I keep the Lord up and everything else goes below him. There's nothing beside him on either side. He's at the throne of my life. And I praise him every day that he's changed me and he's brought me into freedom and out of darkness and into life, into truth, into love. Um, and... For me, before I came to the Lord, I was not musical at all. Um, since I've been saved, I wouldn't call myself a musician or musical out of respect for people who can sing, but 
As a genius said, I love to shout to the Lord, and sometimes my singing sounds like just yelling, but (laughs) ever since I came to God, he's given me a freedom to sing. Um, And you can ask my family and my parents, my brothers, my friends, they're they're shocked. Like, I just sing all the time, and I never used to sing before, but he's put a song into my heart, even to the point where I'll go play basketball, and I'll be running down the court, and I'll just be under my breath just singing something that was in my mind from the week or earlier that day. And it's a, it's a constant song to my, from my heart to God because there's never a moment where he's not with me. So there's never a moment where I can't praise him. And it's just, it's freeing to know that it doesn't matter what other people think that I can just get before God. And, and I think the reason why I can worship him so much now compared to how I used to be a few years ago is I got to know Jesus, right, and right. I don't have to try to worship him anymore. I don't, I don't have to force myself to get into worship. If I just get into the word, and I just pray to him, and I just seek him, and he shows me who he is, it's automatic that, it, that worship comes. There's no forcing it. You can't meet Jesus. You can't meet the God of the universe and not fall on your face and worship him. It's, it's impossible. So right. if there's struggle in your heart to worship the Lord, Maybe you just not, you've lost track of who he is, what he's done for you, what he's going to do for you, and, mm-hmm. and the eternal life that he's guaranteed by our faith in him. And, and so I just praise God, and I live every day, like you said, it's my life to worship God, and, and it's freeing to just walk around and to have his light shine on me and to shine out to other people and ask, have them be just, what are you doing? Like, right, right. I can't stop. It's just, the God, God is inside of me, and I praise him for it. And That's awesome. Yeah, thank you cool. for having me up. Awesome, thanks, bro. All right, and then this is Mr. Bill, is it Kovach or Kovach? Kovach, okay. Mr. Bill Kovach, uh, we're going to be having a worship night here in just a couple of weeks, uh, like I said. And last fall, uh, Bill and his wife came to one of our worship nights, and he shared something with me that I asked him to share just with everyone today. So if you would come forward and do that. Um, thank you. Good morning. Um, the first uh, praise and worship night that uh, I came to was so uh, life-changing and altering in my personal walk with uh, my Heavenly Father. Um, it was just so moving, and I just was worshiping God in a way that I never have done before, and to love on God's heart like I've never done before. And God used that night as a platform And he sent his Holy Spirit down to me. And it was about 10 or 12 words that he said. And he said, stop making worship about you and make it about me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a critical spirit about me, about worship. And there was many, many times where I would leave a service on Sunday and go out to the car and not have a conversation about what the Lord had to say but I was having a conversation about what was happening here on the stage. And some of those things were, I didn't particularly care for the worship leader, no offense. Uh, I didn't like the music. I didn't like the song. (laughs) That that was then, that's not now. Good job, Bill, all right. The music was too loud, the bass was too loud, not loud enough, wrong song, the person couldn't sing the attire. The drummer couldn't keep a beat. Sorry, drummer guy. Nothing personal. Not that drummer. But I'm thankful for 
God's mercy and his grace because he did reveal that to me in his own way. And I use social media as a way to promote Jesus Christ, and I'm not ashamed of that today, tomorrow, or yesterday. And I wrote this in March. Feel free, you can go back to my Facebook page and find it. But this is what was revealed to me, that many people think that praise and worship is only singing songs at church, that is so much more than that. It is also a condition of a heart, a willingness to exalt God and yield to his will. Worship is an expression of love and all to God who gives us more than we deserve. Whether you express your worship by singing, playing music, dancing, or some other way, remember that you are called to worship God with your every action, every day of your life. God is holy, loving, and worthy of all our worship and devotion. And I was studying Deuteronomy 6.5 in the NIV. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, sir. All right, now, now this is my takeaway from those five people. And I just, I gave them their questions and I saw them this morning. I didn't, I, I trusted all of them and, and wanted to hear, other than Bill, that, that got a little dicey there for a minute, but we pulled it out of a spin. Um, listen, whether it's Jim saying reckless love reminds him of God's reckless love for him, or it's Virginia saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Who, who am I, and frankly, who are any of us to question someone else, what, what moves someone else's spirit towards their savior, right? Like, I, God made us diverse, and he made music diverse, and he made song choice diverse, and the thing that ministers to your heart ministers to your heart. I don't want to get in the way of that, right? And so as we close today, I'll give you just a few, you know, a few wrap-up points, or, or I'll, I'll sum up what we've talked about, but we're going to do a couple of songs, and I want to encourage you to just really think about the words. If you need to come forward or you want to come forward, we'll have our people at the, the tables to the sides, uh, what we call our altar team, who's here to pray with you. Um, hey, if you're here, and this is all brand new to you, and you're like, what are you talking about? Worship, lifestyle. If, you, if today's your day to meet Jesus, then today's your day. And so I wanna encourage you to come forward and we'd love to pray with you. Pastor Steve is here, Pastor Don, Pastor Daniel, myself. We have our altar team, like I said, like we want to pray with you and, and move you towards Christ so you can have this new regenerated spirit like Adam was talking about. He'll put that song inside of you and you'll live this worshipful lifestyle, okay? So just in summation, and then we're gonna, we're gonna sing a couple of songs and worship him some more this morning. Number one, worship is a lifestyle. It is more than just four songs to kick off church each week. Everything we do is worship. If you don't believe me, Romans 12, 1, John 4, 23 are the verses on that. Music, number two, music has a way of cutting to your heart without asking for permission. It's why Psalms is the longest book of the Bible, and it's what we're taught in Colossians 3. And then lastly, number three, God wants to do a new thing. So look to the old as a faith booster, but lean into the new and let him do a new thing in your life, okay? And again, Isaiah 43, 19, and John 4, 23, a new time is coming. So I wanna invite you to stand and worship. I'll pray us into that.
And like I said, if you want to come forward, if you need prayer, if you want to know Christ as your personal Savior, today is your day, and we are here ready to pray with you. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for these folks who have shared from their heart what you've spoken to them and and what you've done in their lives. And God, I just pray for this new thing that you want to do in this place, that these songs that we're singing would be altar moments and Bethel moments in our walk with you, that we would know you more, know you deeper, and let you move in ways that you've never moved before. Amen. Let's sing this morning. See?